So I always say is, how do we be uncommon? And that's so important because people don't remember things that they see all the time, right? They remember the people that are different and they're uncommon and they bring different values to them. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs about their greatest challenges and what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima the president of Revenue and Associates, where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners grow faster. Today, my guest is J.P. Dundas, the director of North American Channel Sales at Fuse. Previously, J.P. worked in the channel at Earthlink, Nitel, and Beyond. Welcome to the podcast, J.P. Thanks for having me, Louis. You know, you've been working in the channel for over a decade. Can you tell me about the, the trajectory of your career and, and what attracts you to to working in the channel? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career as a direct sales rep at CBeyond. And a part of that sales model was hitting 50 doors a day, cold calling, you know, around 200 to 250 doors a week. And one day I, I stumbled into an IT company's business and I talked to them about our product, right? We were selling integrated T1s, right? Dynamic T1s. And I talked to this this partner about our products and they were really interested. And I said, man, I have a lot of I have a lot of our customers that'd be interested in this. So I talked to them about the product. They gave me the name of one of their customers. They called up that customer, said I'd be stopping in. I stopped in, had a deal sold the next day. And I guess the the rest is kind of history. So I started <laughs> making <laughs> taking my focus on finding partners just like this company. And realizing, you know, you could find a customer cold calling, but at the end of the day, you're going to get that deal and you're going to go on to your next customer. And you work with a partner and they like you. They have multiple customers. They're going to keep introducing you to their customers. And since then, I, I shifted from a direct rep into a channel manager role um, at CBeyond because I was actually hitting my numbers and beyond doing pretty much half the work of everybody else. <laughs> so uh, nice. they realized that I had a different skill and it was working with partners. <laughs> so you kind of, uh, it, it sounds like you kind of inadvertently stumbled up, uh, upon this model and uh, and realized how well it, well it could work if it was done well. Absolutely. And, and the thing that's kind of ironic about it at the end of the day is 15 years ago, the channel isn't what it is today, right? Um, you know, we used to think that people went to the channel to die in their careers, for lack of better term, or lack of better words. But at the end of the day, now you can't even work with the business without some sort of partner being attached to it. So it actually worked out to my advantage um, getting into it when I did. Yeah, yeah, well, the numbers that I see say that selling through the channel is much less expensive than selling direct. I don't know if you've experienced that at the companies that you've worked at. One of my other guests... Uh, talked about that a huge percentage of global commerce is done through channels. His number was, I don't know, 74% or something like that. So it is everywhere now. And I guess just on a, on a personal level, um, I noticed that you spent a year studying in Rome before you, uh, you got into uh, working. Yeah. So I, um, I played football in college and I got injured. And my last year, I wanted to do something different. Um, I remember I was 
I came back home for a weekend and I was you know, going on a walk with my mom or, and, we were, and we were talking. She's like, why don't you just go do something different, right? Just get get your mind off of, get your mind off football, you know, finish your college career doing something fun. And literally two weeks later, I applied for a program at the American University of Rome and I studied international business for my final semester in college. And it was probably one of the most rewarding experiences that I, I I ever had throughout college. You know, I had fun time on playing ball, but at the end of the day, it was a, a reality check. I remember sitting in London, you know, sitting there kind of watching everyone get out of work around five o'clock. And I and it finally like the 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 switch kind of just like clicked in my head. And I said, you know what? I'm ready for this. I'm excited. This is what I want to do. And um, you know, a few months later I I, you know, I was back home and started my first sales job. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like overseas travel, just seeing so much more of the world. I mean, I've I've been to a lot of places, including Rome, and it's just always fascinating to see how, how different people are living and what they think of, how they do business and the norms of different societies. And for people, before we go any further, for people who aren't familiar with Fuse, why don't you tell them about the company? So Fuse is one of the premier global UC providers in the industry. We provide services for voice, video, collaboration, and contact center. And, um, and by UC, you mean unified communication? That's right. Unified communications as a service. Voice, video, collaboration, and contact center globally. And we primarily focus on the mid-market to the enterprise. So we started our business in the beginning, focusing in that space. And we do focus on, you know, users anywhere from, from 10 to customers, you know, over 40,000 endpoints today. So, you know, I know that Microsoft, I think partners generate 95% of revenue in the first episode of this series, this podcast series. Um, I was talking with Rob Ray, who's the VP of business development at Datto. And they focus on the SMB market. They have over 16,000 partners and get 100% of their revenue from them. How much for Fuse, what's, what's the breakdown? You know, roughly how many partners do you have and how much of the revenue uh, do they contribute? So we have a different, um, so, so we have all different types of partners that, that we work with, right? We have, we have our direct partners um, that can be, you know, anywhere from master agents to value-added resellers to to smaller smaller distributors as well. But you know, from from a percentage of a business, you know, anywhere from sixty to seventy percent of our business, depending on the quarter, is coming in through the channel. Through these partnerships that we have, especially like the master agents and some of the bars that we work with, you know, we have access to over five thousand sellers. Whether it's um, you know, one of our big master agents that has over 2,500 agents with a couple sellers uh, among them, or some of those are bigger. But at the end of the day, we're not working with all 5,000 of those sellers. So we have to do a really good job of finding the ones that understand our value add and our value proposition and, you know, be able to, to really get ingrained with them to uh, show them that we can help them be a trusted advisors with their customers. So, at the end of the day, I wish we were working with all 5,000 of those sellers every single day. But in reality, it's it's a really hard task, as you know, Louie, working, working in the channel. Because at the end of the day, you're really looking for the, the quality of partners over the quantity. Because if you try to do uh, a lot with a lot of partners, I think you're going to see a lot of failure. 
if that makes sense. If you've got a master agent who has a lot of sub-agents, how does that then affect how you can vet and, and add and onboard those partners? Yeah, so that's a great question. So a lot of a lot of time is spent with the executive teams at some of these master agents, along with um, the regional leaders and the channel managers that are on the streets, the, the ambassadors of those master agents working with the partners locally. And what we do is we really try to identify which partners in region would be good partners for Fuse. You know, my team works with you know, their peers in their region, identifying which partners we need to spend more of our time with, the ones that we need to be very proactive with. And then when you have a, an agent, a master agency model, there's always going to be partners where you're going to get opportunities that are good fits for you that you might not have known about or spent a lot of time with. And it's not that, that we're, we're just being reactive with those, but sometimes that's the beginning of a new relationship as well, right? Getting a partner that we weren't sure, didn't know a lot about. They bring us an opportunity. They have success with us. They love our sales process, smooth implementation. You know, a lot, I like to call it is we're always trying to build new fans. But you can't build too many uh, too fast, or it just uh, it, it it just doesn't work sometimes. So, are are you when you're vetting a subagent? Are you looking at their size, their business plan, what kind of sales process they have in in effect? You know um, how they're using marketing and sales technology, all those kinds of things, or is that part of how you vet them? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the biggest partners are the ones that get a lot of attention, right? Because if the more sellers that you can have access to, you know, you'd think if I can have access to 50 sellers versus another partner that has three, you know, I could work with 50 more sellers on the streets and 50 more people to talk to, you know, 50 more customers that they potentially could talk to, right? So, but at the end of the day, it, it all varies, Louie. I mean, some of the biggest deals that we've ever done here at Fuse are with four and five man shops. But then again, some of the bigger deals are with some of the bigger partners. So it really comes down to, you know, the 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 channel manager in that region and kind of where they see success and how they feel they can have success. So there's really no exact formula that's proven for success. I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm going to do a webinar or a training, I want to touch as many people as possible. But sometimes that relationship with that smaller partner can be just as profitable as as a partner that's got a couple hundred sellers on the street. Yeah, well, I guess it depends. Uh, you know, it depends on what they see, what's in it for them, because it's whether they have four salespeople or two hundred. It's all about getting mind share with those people and them remembering you and actually uh, trying to sell through your solution when it when the opportunity is there. Well, you know, it, it it's exactly correct, right? We the one thing that you need to look at when working with partners is, and I say this all the time for people that 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 hear me hear me talk most time my team repeating this on our weekly calls, but there's no secret sauce or secret ingredient, right? Partners buy from people they like and they trust, right? So mm -hmm. if you can't build that mind share with your partner, right? You can't just walk into a meeting, meet someone for the first time, shake their hand, and then expect them to bring one of their, their best customers to you, right? I always say, put yourselves in their shoes, right? If, if you just met someone for the first time and they talked about themselves and, and how they can make their, your business so much better, well, sometimes it's not about that. It's about getting down to, to, to the nitty gritties and understanding like really what they're looking for in a partner, right? How can you be 
that trusted advisor for them because they have people coming trying to meet with them all the time, right? As we were talking about the channel growing and, and how it's evolved over the last 10, 15 years, we have to compete against a lot of our counterparts at different companies because we're all trying to get the same mind share with, with the same partners or, or, or we're trying to get to some of those partners. Yeah, the reason I reached out to you to talk to you was because you had written a few articles and you really emphasized in those articles about building relationships with partners, that that was what it was all about, kind of what you were just saying. Yeah, no, it's it's so important. And at the end of the day, you're you're always building up your brand, right, Louie, you know about that. And, you know, you got to build your brand where we, you mentioned when we started the podcast, right? I, I have some experience with some other companies, you know, prior to this. And a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis and what any person in the channel needs to do is realize that if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. Whether it's a little thing of, I'm going to return an email, or I'm going to call you back, or I'm going to get someone within my organization to, to, to get that question answered for you. If you don't do that, you're really not going to stand out. And furthermore, if you're really trying to build your brand, like I'm always um, very aware of, you know, at the end of the day, I got to live with me all day, every day, right? So if I do what I say I'm going to do and I'm building fans within my partner organization, that's going to help them build trust within me, my organization. But at the end of the day, they're going to have trust where if they do do business with me, they know that if there's a, a question, problem, or concern with their customers or internally within their organization, that I'm going to pick up that call, I'm going to return that email, and I'm not going to put my tail between my legs, and I'm going to get that problem solved for them. And that's very important to me. So how much, you know, you're located near Chicago, but you're the head of North American Channel Sales for Fuse, so, you know, that's a huge territory. You're at a communications company, but how much is physical proximity part of, or meeting in person with the partners, part of building those relationships? Can you do it uh, remotely or or do you have to, uh, does it work better when you get out there in the field and, and meet in person? It's always better to be able to, I always believe that being able to look someone in the eyes and shake their hand in person, maybe it's me being old school, being from the Midwest, but you know, I think it's very important to have conversations that are in or face to face, right? You're always going to get your always going to get your best experience when you be able to, to have that conversation. But some of the tools that we have nowadays, though, being able to have video conferences do help and help eliminate some of that travel that is on my plate on a regular basis, right? I always say my second my second home is is an airport. <laughs> but you no, know, that but but I, I do that because I can't have my best conversation sometimes sitting over a video call. And I like having that touch or maybe going out to have a coffee or having a drink afterwards to just kind of reassure that, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, it, it just varies. You know, it's it's hard to be ever at once. You know, last week we had three big events going on across the country. And it was also my son's birthday on the same day. Well, I, ch- I chose my son's birthday over those events because I knew my team had that covered, but that's also shows some of the values that are very important to me too. Really. No, that's great. What, what about other technology, you know, that you're using for managing and working with your partners? You know, do you use a, a PRM at Fuse? We have um, hubs that are available for our partners to be able to go online, you know, register opportunities, 
areas where they can get education on our different products. We actually have some new enablement programs where you can go on and get certified, do, do some quick videos, learning about how our processes works, how we sell, uh, what our products are all about. And we've been starting to realize that a lot of partners are really, they really want that stuff, right? They, they want to be able to learn and, and be able to be a very good trusted advisor to, to their customers, right? You know, and at the end of the day, working with a, with a, with a partner like Fuse is we like to enable our partners to, to know enough to be dangerous, right? Enough to be able to identify the opportunities that may be in front of them. Because one of the biggest gaps that we feel within the partner community is some of these partners have tons of products and services that they can offer to their customers. And when they're sitting down with one of their customers, they may not bring up UC because maybe it's not their comfort zone, or maybe they just, they're talking about a different type of service or a different offering that they're looking for, or maybe that customer there doesn't even realize that they sell unified communications, right? So we try to get that in front of them, get the, get as much information as they need to be enough to be dangerous, kind of like I said, but then also have them realize that we have a whole sales force that's backing them 100% to help make them look good in front of their customers. So they're able to lean on us. So you know, that's one of the hardest things is, is getting, getting partners that aren't used to that type of methodology of going on and, and getting themselves trained. So we do some other things on top of that, whether it's webinars, on-site lunch and learn type trainings, happy hours are always fun. If we get a chance to speak, get some people out of the office, not sitting in front of their computers or having their phones in front of them. So we do lots of different things to, to help get some of that mind share. And we're learning now that some of those tools are, are being, you know, as we're able to track a lot of that is we're starting to see a lot of our partners are really starting to utilize those tools. And uh, it's really, it's really a great, it's really great to see that because now we are able to see like which partners are really leaning into us too, right? If I could see that one of partners from ABC Communications has been in the portal five times this week and looking at certain collateral, that that helps us be able to reach out to that person or that company and say, all right, how can I help you furthermore, right? Absolutely. So when you, you said just a moment ago about that there was this whole sales, fuse sales force behind them also. So um, do you mean that you're doing joint sales with some of your partners on on some of the bigger opportunities yeah absolutely so when a when a partner brings us into an opportunity my team is tasked with understanding the opportunity in front of us which sales rep it needs to be assigned to whether it's smb mid-market and enterprise and the reason why that's important is we have different areas of the business that cover different size deals so and, and to answer your question further, if we're working on an opportunity and we discover midway through the sales process that there's a partner that can bring us value to help us either, maybe we're at a standstill, right? We haven't been able to get to the EV, the economic buyer, and we find out that we have a partner that has a really good relationship with this customer and or that person that we're trying to access. We have no problem bringing a partner in in the middle of a sales cycle and also paying them for their efforts. And what's important about that is we as Fuse, our salespeople, they're not taking a haircut on their commission if we decide to do that. So it kind of really eliminates any type of channel conflict or any type of reason to put resistance on why we need to work with that partner. If a partner could bring us value to get us further in a deal, 
we'd be silly not to look at that option to bring that partner. Yeah, no, that's great that you do that. And that, that's your approach, uh, you know, because uh, a lot of times with other companies, you hear about some serious channel conflict. I think I, I read that Fuse has more uh, customers worldwide. You see customers worldwide with over a thousand employees than any other vendor. That's correct. We're one of the only proven enterprises in the cloud for unified communication. So we we own the market share for a thousand users and above uh, per Synergy Research Report. Or as it's otherwise known, the enterprise market. Yeah. So this whole approach and the way that you're partnering with your partners uh, sounds like it's working great. Is there particular kinds of training that you find, you know, sometimes... What I'll hear is that, that vendors are great at marketing, but partners aren't always great at marketing. Or vendors may have a lot more sales experience or much more uh, systematized uh, process. What kind of support or training do you think is most important to provide to your partners? The support and the training that I feel is very important for our partners is you know, obviously get, getting getting in front of them and having an understanding of what our product does, right? But at the end of the day, it's what problems does our does our product solve for their customers, right? Because, you know, we need to be able to have a solution um, when, we're, when, we're, when we're coming into, especially the enterprise customers. We understand that 92% of all CIOs are tasked with identifying a cloud solution before they do anything moving forward, right? No one's gonna renew an on-prem system without at least doing their due diligence to look at a cloud solution. We're, we're, we're definitely trending in the right direction there. So being able to identify and train our partners on the things that we think are very important to look at. If we have a product that could help improve efficiency or help foster collaboration within an organization, if we could, have a product that is really doing things to, to bring that business into the digital transformation, right? The future of the workforce and helping them understand how they could bring these tools to make businesses better or maybe help solve some of the issues that they have. Because if you think about it, Louis, right? We have this new generation that's coming out in the workforce, right? We have this, we have our current workforce made up of the baby boomers, you know, Gen X, Gen Ys. We have the millennials. Then we also have this app generation, right? They know nothing but instant internet access at the tip of their fingers. So how do you accommodate that type of employee that's coming into the workforce? Well, you got to have some of the tools that they're, they've been used to using their whole entire life. You know, I always say, right, if, if we're on a video right now, I'd have my phone in my hand. And I always say, right, we're all carrying tomorrow's desk in our pockets. And it's a very strong statement. It's a very bold statement because at the end of the day, I travel all the time. I don't need to break out my laptop to get the business done that I'm I'm used to doing while I'm sitting at my desk. I could communicate with my team seamlessly. I can integrate into maybe some different third-party applications that we have. Example, Salesforce, right? If I need to pull some some sort of data, I could do that at the tip of my fingers, no matter where I'm at in the world at any time. And that's really true to what really the problems that we're trying to solve. A lot of businesses are trying to figure out how can we make our employees more productive, but also it's hard to make people very productive no matter where they're at remotely if they don't have the right tools in place. Does that make sense, Louis? You're really talking about solution selling. I mean, that you're not going out there and just 
uh, talking about the you know the Texan specs, and you don't want your your salespeople or your partner salespeople to be doing that, but they really have to find out what's the situation in each one of these companies and and what kind of solution, what kind of combination of the different offerings that you have is really going to address the issues for that company. Absolutely. You know, I I talked about one of those articles that I wrote about value as a service, right? You know, we, we all go, we all go out and we talk to our, our customers and our partners. Well, if I went and talked to my partner about unified communications, there's a good chance that they know what's included in that, right? Voice, video, collaboration, right? All that stuff's included in there. But if I just talked about that and I left it there, I'm not doing anything different than what my competition is talking about, right? I want to show the value about how we can go and show them how our services can really change the, the landscape of their customers. And in retrospect, it's really showing that partner how to be the trusted advisor to their clients by us equipping them with the right type of tools to, to be able to have those conversations. So what should I be asking you about? You know, the I, I've asked you a bunch of questions here, but the business world is changing so quickly. And, you know, that's true with channels too. What's your biggest challenge these days? What's keeping you up at night? That's a that's a really good question. Um, besides my my three and six year old that always are keeping me on my toes when I, when I'm in town, mm-hmm. um, you know the, the biggest challenge in in any anytime you're working with partners, one of the biggest challenges that you have is I can't fire my partners for not doing business with me, right? So you know, in a, in a sales organization, if you're if one of your employees isn't hitting their numbers. Right. You could put them on a you could put them on a plan. You could you could work with them to help grow those numbers. But you can't just you know, and if they're not if they're not making if they're not if they're not getting the job done right, you part ways. Unfortunately, right? It happens. But with partners, you really have to start thinking out of the box because I can't just go to one of my partners and say, Well, you never sold anything this year. I'm done with you. Right. I can't because they're gonna say, Okay, I'm gonna go work with somebody else. It's no, it's no problem. So you really got to start thinking outside of the box on how you could be that trusted advisor. I know we've talked about the you know the, the word trusted advisor. It's a it's a nice buzzword. You know, it's a, it's a really nice buzzword um, today. But at the end of the day, it's it's how do I get that mind share, and how do I and my team? So how does my team at Fuse outperform? Not necessarily the the competition. Right, not necessarily the competition in the UC space, but the people on the street, their peers, the channel managers besides them that are all trying to gain that mind share with the partners. So I always say is, how do we be uncommon? And that's so important because people don't remember things that they see all the time, right? They remember the people that are different and they're uncommon and they bring different values to them. So the things that keep me up at night, Louis, are how do I be different than my competition? So at the end of the day, when we're working with one of their customers, they're going to have confidence to, to push Fuse over the line, right? Push us through the end zone so we can get that, get that new customer on board as a joint effort. So I'm always trying to think about different ways to evolve the channel and different ways we can work with partners to, to be successful. Because at the end of the day, I don't make any money. Fuse doesn't make any money unless our partners are making money. So we have to do a really good job of catering to our partners and and giving them the attention and the mind share that they deserve. 
so I, I do hear of some vendors who do cut off partners if they don't make their numbers or if they're not delivering anything, you know, that they're pruning their partner uh, network. But it sounds like that's not your approach. Your approach is to try to incentivize and, and uh, use the carrot rather than the stick. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes sometimes the, the ship can sail too with partners, right? It's just they tried to bring on a new strategy. It didn't work. You know, I, I always use the term with my team is we have to do a really good job building fans, you know, internally, but as well as externally. So sometimes you take a lot of time and effort and you meet with partners and you spend a lot of time doing training. So if you see potential in that partner and you know that you got to figure out a way to to get access to their sellers so we can get that mind share so we can start working with their customers. But, you know, sometimes we do spend a lot of time with partners and we don't get a lot of ROI, right? Return on investment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's okay for that ship to sail because there's always partners that are coming in that you want to work with, but that's one of those decisions that you need to make on, you know, which partners I need to be very proactive with versus the ones that I just need to be reactive with, unfortunately. So um, getting near the end, but I wanted to ask you again, because the business world changes so rapidly these days, you know, how do you personally keep up? Are there particular podcasts or blogs or books or events that you especially like for keeping up either with what leaders are doing in the channel space or, or business in general or sales? Yeah, great, great question, Louis. So I'm a big believer in if you stop self-learning and being educated in your, especially in the technology world, it moves so fast that you're going to get passed up, right? Th- things are moving so fast in this world nowadays that, I mean, you could use the old example, right? You buy you buy a TV and, you know, next month there's always a better one coming out, right? So you always got to really kind of stay on top of technology. So I have a really, you know, I just got back from Enterprise Connect in, in Orlando, Florida. I got back late actually early this morning, I just got back and it was, it was, you know, you get to learn about all the different competitors out there that are all trying to do the same thing, right? We're trying to, we're trying to teach our, our partners. We're trying to teach our clients about what our products can do, how we're different, how we're different from our competition. And I love going to events like that. And I'm a, I'm I'm definitely a, uh, a big fan of channel partners. You know, we have the show coming up in Las Vegas in, in a few weeks, and then they have one in the fall that is based in different area, different regions every single year. So I do keep up to speed kind of going to some of the, the trade show events because I think it's very important to be on the cutting edge. But I do spend a lot of time reading and learning about how I can better myself as well, right? I have uh, a few of my favorite books that I'll mention. You know, one of them, uh, Never Split the Difference, it's brought a lot of value to me of um, you know learning from one of the one of the top FBI hostage negotiators on, on different negotiation tactics, right? Because whether we like it or not, we're always kind of negotiating. We always have that salesperson in us, right? Whether it's one of your friends wants to uh, doesn't want to go out because maybe they they just don't have the money or they don't want to do it, and you just say, hey, well, I got you covered tonight. I'm going to come pick you up, right? We're always kind of working on that next tool of trying to persuade people to do things that we want them to do. But, you know, I always learned uh, one of the first books that that I read that really impacted me. It's one of my all-time favorites is 
is how to win friends and influence people by by Dale Carnegie. Right? I I don't know, Louis. Have you ever read that book before? Are you aware of that? Uh, I'm aware of the book. I haven't read it, but you're you're talking about a classic now. It's definitely a classic. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many issues have been sold on there, and that book's always evolving. But I'm a big believer in kind of when we talked about the brand name, right? What you see is what you what you're going to get with me. And I always say I'm cards face up for a reason. And I do love to take interest in my partner's lives, right? Being able to just listen, just listen to what they have going on goes a long way with a partner or a coworker, you know, or someone that you're, you're looking to do business with. Because at the end of the day, it's really easy to just have people talk and then they say something or make a point and you just kind of pivot to another, another subject. And you know, when you put yourselves in those shoes and people do that to you, you always kind of say, man, that person's not even listening to what I have to say. So that book I learned from the beginning that it's just really important to remember someone's name. If if, if someone impacted you, it's, it's important, write down their name, right? If last time you talked to them, you know, they were on vacation with their family, bring it up, bring something up that brings value and relevance of that. You're just more than just, just trying to do business with them. Because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you know, we all are trying to get business done, but there's more than that. It's that lasting relationship that is so important in business, that, at least I believe. So, yeah, no, I think that that's, that's really true. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, JP, and the listeners. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or another app and you found the podcast interesting and useful, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about it, too. And thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast. And please subscribe and listen to future episodes.